welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich at East Carolina University. What would you do at Gettysburg if you were Lee or Meade? In 1958, the Avalon Hill Game Company published a board game called Gettysburg and promised players the opportunity to find out. In the four decades since, the hobby of war gaming has grown and games have been published recreating almost every battle and campaign of the Civil War. Today, we'll talk with Dave Powell, one of the premier designers of Civil War battle games on Civil War Talk Radio. and reduce emissions. Check. Acoustic and optical wayside monitors to enhance safety. Check. Robotic systems to measure track geometry. Check. GPS tracking and tracing systems. Check. Sounds like a rocket or a jet getting ready for takeoff, doesn't it? Actually, it's something just as technologically advanced. A freight train. There's a new world of technology riding the rails that makes today's freight railroads more fuel efficient, safer, and cleaner running than ever. With wireless communications, transponders, and trackside readers that can pinpoint a shipment's location at speeds of up to 80 miles an hour, North America's freight railroads are driving the technology required by today's businesses and consumers. And with everything from apples to computers moving by rail, we wouldn't have it any other way. Chances are, the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today. Tomorrow, arriving by train. Sponsored by North America's Freight Railroads. Mission Critical. Two words that describe the data vital to every e-commerce website. If your company needs the services of an unparalleled co-location facility, you need to remember these two words, Castle Access. With Castle Access, your Internet servers will be secure in environmentally controlled data centers that offer high-speed managed Internet access and the highest standards of 24-7 customer support. For more info, visit castleaccess.com. Castle Access. We keep you online all the time. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. My guest today is Dave Powell, designer of Civil War and other military simulation games. Dave, how are you doing today? Fine, Jerry. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you again. I think we last met in Chicago at your roundtable gathering a few years ago. Yes. Uh, let me start by asking you the question I'd like to ask many people on the show. What got you interested in the Civil War in the first place? Uh, probably the, the first thing that got me interested was my father's interest in specifically the uh, American Heritage Illustrated History of the Civil War that was recently reprinted. Uh, the uh, the maps, the, especially the color maps, and as I'm sure many have, people mention when they talk about the book, the uh, uh, the little uh, uh, three dimensional troop movement drawings, the men charging across the fields and things, caught my interest. Well, that you know, I I have the same uh, experience, and and you are not the first guest on the show to say exactly the same thing. I think that uh, that American Heritage volume that Bruce Catton wrote with the the marvelous illustrations brought a lot of people. Uh, awakened interest in a lot of people in, in the Civil War. Now, you stayed with it. Uh, you you don't study the Civil War for a living, though. Is that right? 
That's correct. Uh, I have a much more mundane <laughs> existence, at least as far as I'm concerned. I run a courier service in Chicago. So you have a day job, but those people who uh, who may know of you who are listening now or, or are aware of your presence online in various places know you as somebody who uh, also designs games that have something to do with the Civil War. Now, I would guess a lot of our listeners don't uh, may not be familiar with this, uh, the idea of making games out, out of battles. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Well, um, your introduction mentioned, of course, the original Gettysburg game in 1958, um, uh, which was also another one of my formative experiences. Um, I took that uh, and developed an interest in military history gaming as a uh, as a general experience, but always with a focus on the Civil War. Um, essentially, it's the chance to to have uh, counters, pieces, whatever, recreate specific units on the battlefield, whether they're regiments, brigades, or divisions, to uh, to sort of refight or recreate the strategies that were used. Uh, and games range from the, the extremely complex with thousands of pieces and many maps uh, that cover large tables uh, all the way to uh, some very quick-playing, simple games that might t- only take an hour or two to finish, uh, similar to an, you know, an evening game or a hobby game. But the, the contest or the interest is always the same. It's the, the chance to sort of... Uh, recreate the experience of a specific battle or campaign, not just uh, to read about it, but uh, to examine it uh, or to uh, to see what would have happened with alternative strategies. But well, again, uh, I came across Gettysburg uh, many years ago as well, and had some of the same experience. In my own case, I found these games were intriguing, and uh, the Civil War ones in particular. And often they would inspire me to read more about a given campaign. As I read more, I would find myself dissatisfied with something in the game that I thought was not accurately portrayed. Uh, and it, it led me eventually to uh, to do this full-time, to, to be a, a Civil War researcher and, and writer and teacher, uh, just because that was... Uh, uh, because the games were unsatisfactory. I won't say it was just the games that led me to where I am. Did that drive you to decide eventually to start making your own games? Yes. Um, you're right. The games, uh, especially in the early years, the games were, were very simple. They were, were uh, uh, often the history was poor or questionable in, in some of them because they were designed by amateurs. They weren't designed by historians. Uh, they were designed by, you know, kids in their 20s going, hey, let's do something here. Uh, and and uh, it, I think that really has sort of driven the, the hobby as a whole, too. Games over the years have, have always had a quest to be a little bit better, to make a little bit more accurate maps or orders of battle. or uh, And certainly that's that's my own experience. Let's see if we can build a better mousetrap, a Civil War mousetrap. Who plays these games? Uh, our audience is, is predominantly, uh, well, it's very similar to the reenactment audience, actually. Uh, white middle-aged guys. <laughs> um, well, that's me. Yeah, that uh, uh, defines me and, and almost all of uh, my gaming partners as and well. I, you forgot to add slightly overweight. Um, well, it's trying my to be case, charitable. Not yours, <laughs> not yours but, but in mine, certainly. Uh, <laughs> also in mine. Uh, and, and, and many of the, the people one, uh, one encounters in that world. 
Well, I think uh, that's the reality of America in 2005. We're all uh, too, one too many trips to McDonald's, maybe. That's, that's probably right. Um, I think our audience uh, is, is a subset of the larger audience that's interested in Civil War history. Um, because I, I, I see the same sort of overlapping interest when I go on tours or uh, or when I lead tours at Chickamauga or wherever. Um, you know, I go to the roundtables. Uh, I've, I've talked at roundtables and, and, of course, have been active in our, my own roundtable here in the northwest Chicago area. Um, so we're not, we're not that different than the, the larger Civil War community. About the only thing I'd add is that we're uh, the, one, the one thing we don't have is, is maybe quite as much female interest as uh, uh, on the tours and roundtables I see more women involved more interested I don't see that in wargaming but I think uh, that to a certain extent that's the uh, goes back to the original roots of the hobby now when most people hear about uh, oh a game about excuse me a game about the Civil War or about a Civil War battle uh, some of them might think back to uh, the old uh, Milton Bradley battle cry game mm-hmm. uh, from the early 60s. We're not talking about that, are we? No. Um, you can, if you look back at the lineage of the, of the war game, the state-of-the-art war game of today, you can sort of see some of the same elements, but uh, in physically and, and conceptually, it's, it's pretty different by now. It's evolved quite a bit. Uh, uh, wargaming is, is really takes two forms. It takes uh, either board gaming or miniatures. I'm primarily active in, in board gaming, which is uh, maps printed on paper, anywhere between one and four map sheets or five map sheets. Uh, counters are, are uh, printed on uh, on cardboard with uh, uh, small pieces, uh, oh, a half inch or five eighths of an inch uh, on a side, uh, die cut and stamped out. Uh, those those pieces uh, represent the regiments or brigades, divisions, whatever, um, and uh, they're maneuvered on on the maps. Uh, primarily, we use hex grids to uh, uh, overlay a, a hexagon pattern over the terrain to uh, give us a way to regulate movement, uh, like like squares on a chessboard. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Now uh, you mentioned miniatures. Uh, tell us about that. Well, it's a side of the hobby that I've dabbled in a little but not uh, been actively involved in. It's uh, essentially uh, painted figures anywhere from very, very small, like uh, 5 or 6 millimeter to uh, 25 millimeter, which are roughly an inch, an inch and a quarter tall. Uh, You paint up your figures. You mount them on stands of cardboard or, or wood. Uh, you identify them as units, and then you kind of do the same thing, only you re- recreate the terrain on a, on a table, uh, and instead of hexagonal grids, you uh, you often use rulers to determine range and, and movement and all of that. So uh, it, it's, uh, the, to put it frankly, it's toy soldiers. No, yeah, sure. Which, uh, which I think also may have inspired many people uh, to get interested in the hobby. I still have some of my... Uh, Mark's Battle of the Blue and Gray plastic mm-hmm. figures from the 1960s. Uh, yeah, and I've seen people use those in games as well. That has a tradition going back to H.G. Wells, uh, the early 20th century, uh, using figures to uh, uh, toy soldiers, essentially, to recreate battles. So uh, it, in some ways it goes back even further than, than map or board war gaming. Uh, yeah, but, I think... Uh, 
uh, that's kind of the original wargaming. Um, board gaming is is really come along since uh, the 1950s when print production uh, allowed us to to uh, do all this stuff on a relatively reasonable cost. Now, if you take the games that are made today, uh, some of them seem to me enormously more sophisticated than the original Gettysburg game, uh, to the point where they can actually contribute in some way to to one's understanding of a battle. Uh, is that a fair assessment? I think so, if used with caution. One of the big problems with wargaming is that um, it, it um, it's too easy to mistake a, a brief experience on a map board uh, with uh, a more historic uh, experience or, or some sort of historic insight. Um, uh, yes, games are, are certainly more complex. Uh, we all have tried to build better models, uh, make, their, make our combat resolution systems uh, mimic history more, more closely, things like that. I tend to regard games as uh, a living map supplement almost um, in, uh, the, in that um, you, know, you, you open a map in a book and it's static. You can see the positions of the troops, uh, however detailed the map is. Well, if the author is nice enough to you, he's going to include lots of maps. Um, with a war game, you have a map that changes every time a turn advances. Now, a turn can be 15 minutes or an hour or a half hour. So theoretically, you have a, a game that, uh, if you want to poke around with it, can represent uh, a map for every 15 minutes of an action. Now, uh, or you can play it out as a game and see what sort of develops. I regard them as, uh, when used properly, as a, as a really great uh, sort of extra educational tool. I don't think they replace good, solid history. I think they enhance it. One of the things that, in my experience with these games, that distinguishes useful ones from, from the ones that are less so is the, deg- the, the ability of an, a, a game designer to maintain a thesis or a focus throughout the design, uh, just like an author has a thesis that, that he or she tries to put forward uh, in a book. If, if you try to give every fact on the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, I suppose Harry Fans has tried to do that. Uh, you, you can try to do it, but you're going to leave something out. If you focus, you can tell a meaningful story. And uh, to be specific, games that you've been involved with, particularly uh, the, the Civil War Brigade series games, uh, are games that recreate a series of battles uh, through the Civil War, in which the most notable feature is that the players write down the orders of their units. They they write down, as the generals did, uh, First Division uh, approach the hill, Second Division uh, dig in uh, where you're at, Third Division remain in reserve, and so on like that, which forces the player to focus on, on issues of leadership rather than the many other issues a commander might have to think about, supply, maintenance, uh, training, morale, etc. Uh, and I think those games are quite successful. Well, yeah, I think the thesis uh, is absolutely correct. Uh, you need to uh, sort of hone the focus to the, to the point where you have a manageable project on your hands. The other thing I'd like to add uh, about what the Civil War Brigade does uh, the, is... Um, uh, one of the big problems with war games, and it's really one of the problems with uh, with history in general, is it becomes almost too easy to second guess the men who were who were there because we, as a reader or we as a game player, 
experience all the information. Uh, you know, we have uh, perfect intelligence, or as perfect as history can make it. Uh, the men in those command slots, of course, didn't have any of that uh, luxury. Sometimes they had good information. Sometimes they had very bad information. Um, one of the, in its simplest form, one of the things that writing your orders down and forcing players to stick to those orders uh, does is it sort of asks them to predict the future. What's your tactical situation going to look like in six hours? Uh, write, you know, write your orders down, see if you can fulfill them, and then uh, as time advances, you uh, either you did well in your prediction and your orders are, are making sense and, and driving the enemy or whatever. Or, uh, or maybe you did badly and uh, you guessed wrong and, and your orders just don't make sense for the tactical situation you're facing and you have to start trying to write new ones and get them to change. Um, it's, it's, it's really a way of, of sort of uh, putting up a barrier between the player's perfect information and his ability to use that information on the map. That, that reminds me of uh, something that Stephen Vincent Benet, uh, the poet, wrote in, in the epic poem John's John Brown's Body, I think 1928, uh, and I don't usually get to do poetry on the show here, but let me share this uh, with you for your thoughts, uh, the passage from the long uh, poem. If you take a flat map and move wooden blocks upon it strategically, the thing looks well, the blocks behave as they should. The science of war is moving live men like blocks and getting the blocks into place at a fixed moment. But it takes time to mold your men into blocks and flat maps turn into country where creeks and gullies hamper your wooden squares. They stick in the brush, they are tired and rest, they straggle after ripe blackberries, and you cannot lift them up in your hand and move them. That's just a piece of, of the poem, but I think it uh, gets to what you're saying. Uh, we, the reader or the player, know exactly what McCollin ought to have done, uh, but it's not so easy. No, it's, uh, and, and, that's really what's so interesting, what drives so much of, uh, of Civil War writing as well as, as gaming. Uh, look at how many books uh, examine or, or propose alternative outcomes or, or pass judgment on historical figures. Of course, it's a historian's job to pass judgment. That's true. And we'll pass judgment on some more figures in just a minute. We have to take a break right now, but we'll be back uh, with Dave Powell on Civil War Talk Radio. 